Brian Gill? What's up, guys? Are, are you okay, man? I'm totally fine. I'm just, I'm excited to be here, guys. Excited. I'm excited to talk about a movie that I don't hate. Ladies and gentlemen, arm your elbow rockets. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You like that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. We talk about movie news, movie rumors, and we give you a detailed analysis of our chosen movie of the week. But do not worry, because we will warn you before we go into spoilers. Remember to stay tuned until the end of each episode for our weekly recommends, in which we suggest something that you need to check out ASAP. This week, we're focusing our efforts on what, Brian? Guillermo del Toro's Monsters vs. Robots <laughs> Adventure Pacific Rim. We always thought alien life would come from the stars, but it came from deep beneath the sea, a portal between dimensions and the Pacific Ocean. They counted on the humans to hide, to give up, to fail. So this is a, another big, another big summer movie blockbuster, and another kind of big flop. Uh, out of the, out of the, all the blockbusters we've gotten, we've gotten a bunch of flops. Uh, yeah, and so unfortunately, this movie I don't think deserved to be a flop. And I guess we can we can break it down uh, uh, later on in the show and uh, give our thoughts on why we thought it might not have worked in the box office last weekend. Yep, absolutely. Yep, Brian Gill. Yes, sir. It's good to hear your voice, man. And uh, you know what I want to hear come from that voice right now? <laughs> Tell me. Movie news, movie all rumors, right. and. Movie rumblings. All right, I've got one or two things we can discuss. Um, let's things. start with let's start with the bad. Um, so today it was announced that Tom Hanks and Ron Howard are going to reteam for another adventure into Dan <sighs> Brown territory. They're going to no. make everyone Inferno. invest in hair straighteners. No, yeah, Inferno out December of 2015. <laughs> so are you guys like <laughs> really <laughs> excited or the most excited? <laughs> Oh. I'm pumped because my hair straightener stock has been, you know, slowly on the downside. I think it's going to peak again. I'm probably going to sell high in the making yeah. of Inferno. Yeah. No, that's terrible news. I love Ron Howard and I love Tom Hanks and I love when they work together except for these movies. Yes. Uh, I hate them. I don't care for them. Um, they're useless, but they make money, so whatever. I really thought we were done after, the, after Angels and Demons because I don't think – I could be wrong. I'm going to look it up, but I don't think Angels and Demons did that well, and I know it was not critically well received. I mean, at least, yeah, it, it, I guess it probably made its money back, but not well. I mean, it, it didn't do that well, so I'm kind of surprised that they're they're heading back to that territory once again. But I'm with you guys. I think this is horrible news because I I I don't. I, I'm so excited about 2013. One of the main reasons I was coming into the year is because we're going to get two Tom Hanks movies, and he's not going to be involved with Dan Brown. And so hey. I think that's a great thing, but now we're just going to go back in a couple of years. I'm not, not stoked hey, about that. Hey, Brian, it did make $133 million, mm-hmm. but it made another 350 overseas. Oh, overseas, you're killing us. You're killing <laughs> so us. bringing worldwide gross to $485 million. Gross. Dollars. Gross. So that's that's your answer right there. Thanks a that's... lot, Poland. <laughs> Didn't Inferno they... just come out? The book? I have no idea. Yeah, I, don't, I read I, I read of... the Da Vinci Code, and I actually yeah. I don't think it's a, a bad book. I think it's no, relatively it's interesting. 
but it wasn't interesting enough for me to go back and read uh, sure. Angels and Demons, and it certainly did not translate into a good movie, I don't think. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask, um, what's the deal with Tom Hanks lately? Hopefully he does something good <laughs> soon because he has been the most disappointing actor in the past five years. <laughs> you know, like yeah. what, what is his deal? Um, I think we're going to have some bounce back Hanks. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. The, that, yeah, that's what I was going to. That's what I wanted to ask you. That Disney movie looks pretty good with him and yeah. Emma Thompson. Yeah. And I mean, it Phillips looks like awesome. Yeah, and Captain Phillips looks really awesome. The Disney one looks like something I don't care about seeing, but everyone else right. in the world wants to see. Right. And then, yeah, and then the that other one looks looks fabulous. So I'm I'm I I think we're gonna get a little Hanks Renaissance here, um, and then obviously, hopefully, a uh, a sequel to um, oh no, Larry what's Crown. the title? The one with Larry Crown. Hopefully, a Larry Crown sequel. <laughs> To really hammer things home, Kent, you got my back, boy. I love I got, it. I got you, dude. I'm already working on the screenplay to Larry Crown. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can't be any worse than the original, so. Oh, uh, it's so weird. I think is uh, that thing you do is such a wonderful little movie, and then yeah, to wait ten years and then make that <laughs> is odd. Oh man, yeah. But t- Hanks is the one, though. Like like a number of other like Bill. I mean uh, Bruce. I almost said Bill Russell. <laughs> Uh, Bruce Willis falls in that category of like he really can't do any wrong you know what I mean like it, it can be he makes yeah. five horrible movies in a row and then he oh Tom Hanks movie okay I'm gonna go see that so he's got yeah. that going for him but I am stoked for, for this this next couple of months when we're gonna get Captain Phillips and then the uh, I've already forgotten Saving Mr. Banks is the Disney the Disney one yeah. I think we're gonna get a return to form so I guess he's allowed to dip back into bad territory once in a while but he just doesn't strike me as the type that's going to continually – maybe he just feels like he owes it to Ron Howard or something because I can't imagine that he really enjoyed the Angels and Demons experience right. when it was all said and done. Yeah. he Besides Toy Story, he hasn't done anything good uh, in the past five years. I mean I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. He did Cloud Atlas, uh, yeah. extremely mm-hmm. loud and incredibly close. Yeah. Uh, he did Larry Crown and yeah. – um, he did Angels and Demons, so that was his last live-action stuff. I mean, he's done spot stuff every now and then uh, with, with the Woody character. But, right. yeah, the trailer came out to Saving Mr. Banks this past week. Um, oh, okay. Did you guys check it out? Did you see I it? Haven't, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's, 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 it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't really look kiddie yeah. at all. And it's surprising because I don't think Tom Hanks resembles Walt Disney at all, personality-wise or looks-wise. So it's going to be interesting to see how well he pulls off the Disney, um, the Disney, I guess, impersonation. Yeah. Also, the fact that we're making a hero and a sweet father out of, out of like a noted anti-Semite. Yeah. Right. And all right. it's going to be odd to really root for this person. Like, I hope he gets this book, movie made for his three girls. Right. And also, he hates these Jewish songwriters that are writing the songs. <laughs> like, are you going to work that in? Like, how does that work? I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, that's an interesting movie to watch. Just that could be either great or a colossal failure, but there's a lot of talent involved in it, both in the supporting and, and leads and, and obviously Hanks, but, uh, Emma Thompson as well. So who knows? Who knows? We'll yeah. have to see on that one. Brian, what's your other bit of movie news you wanted to mention? I was going to bring up our, our good buddy, JJ Abrams, uh, apparently according to Zachary Quinto, I hope I said that right. I'm terrible at pronouncing names. I think our listeners have figured that out by now. Yeah. But uh, sure. according to, uh, to Zachary Quinto, 
J.J. Abrams intends to, to direct Star Trek three and wants to do it before Star Wars gets going. So we're talking about filming uh, next, next year, early next year. Wow. That's according directly from to from uh, Zachary Quinto. So um, I don't know how well that's going to play out. I think that's the worst case scenario for Star Trek fans because they already yeah. feel slighted, and now he's going to just like try to squeeze it in before he gets on to Star Wars. And I I kind of imagine when it all gets figured out that he's going to end up just producing and let somebody else direct. But at least at this point, that's the speculation is that they're going to start shooting next year. Wow. wow. That's incredible. Um, I thought they were going to start shooting Star Wars Episode Seven in January. That's what I had heard too. Um, so I don't know what how that's going to work out. But uh, unless they have Star Wars done, and then he go moves immediately to Star right. Trek. Uh, right. I think they're shooting for a late. I wish I could. Now I can't find the story right in front of me. But uh, I think they're shooting for a late 2014 release on Star Trek Three, oh. which would be quite the turnaround, given that it was. Four years between the first Star yeah. Trek and this one, so that is that's amazing. That 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 would be impressive if that came out. But I, I just want J.J. Abrams uh, to be involved somewhat in the new Star Trek. You know what Same. I mean? Same in, in here. Star yeah. Trek Three. I just want that that assurance that he brings right. to the project. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, man, that's incredible. Yeah. My mind is blown. Um, I mean, that guy's a hard worker. I mean, he never stops. So it's possible. But I would say, remember that Star Trek II was supposed to come out, I think, a full year and a half before it actually did debut. So, I mean, they, they got – they started and then stopped, started and stopped, and then finally said, okay, we're going to push it off until we can do it right. Um, cause, uh, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I'm with you, Ken. I, I really want – I want him to figure out a way to be able to be involved in both – uh, both franchises. Um, obviously, I'm more geared towards Star Wars than I am Star Trek, but I do feel bad for the Trekkies that if he just kind of squeezes this one out, and it's like, oh, th- this movie's kind of oh, yeah. kind of sucks, and you're like, yeah. oh, sorry, I'm off to do Star Wars. See you yeah. guys later. You know, that would be funny if if Star Trek three is just awful, and yeah. Star yeah. Wars Episode seven is just like 100 percent <laughs> right. like Academy. Yeah, Award. it's better than the original. Yeah, like, yeah. Break, yeah. <laughs> it's just. Breaking Trekkies' hearts everywhere. Oh, that would that would actually depress me because I really think that the Star Trek series deserves the best. I mean, I oh, yeah, totally. I'm a huge fan of of Abrams Star Trek. I mean, almost as big as like Star Wars now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm as excited for Star Trek three than I am for Star Wars seven at, at this point. You know what I mean? I mean, wow. kind of, kind of, just because I kind of know what I'm gonna get. You know what I mean on right. on Star Trek. Um. But did you see the um, did you see the casting breakdown for Star Wars Seven? I have no. not seen that. No. Apparently, now I'll I'll, I'll I guess I'll I'll use this as as a little bit of movie news. Apparently, they've given out a I guess a casting breakdown of, of who they need to be looking for as far as the casting director and who who people can be submitting names for. Apparently, the storyline goes something like Luke Skywalker is an old Jedi. And he is training his niece and nephew, whom are twins, uh, to be Jedi's as well. And, okay. And so that's that's what I know as far as the storyline. Okay. And so they're they're seeking, I guess, a male and a female late teens, early twenties type actors. Uh, uh, Jaden Smith. That's my suggestion. Yeah, a uh, Jaden Smith or Hayden Christensen. Yeah. You know, he looks a lot like his grandfather. <laughs> yeah, J- <laughs> Jaden Smith looks a lot like Mark Hamill. That is true. Um, <laughs> 
I think I'm, that's, I'm just I'm just glad there there no, there's no kids. Hopefully, small yeah. kids like mainly Jake Lloyd type looking and sounding right. like people. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I think that's what was to be expected. I, I mean that that's been my my feeling for the this whole time was that it was going to be about uh, Han and Leia's kids more than anything else, and that we would get we would get smaller supporting roles from the you know, the established actors from the franchise, Hamill and Ford and, and Fisher and all those guys. So that doesn't surprise me, but I'm, I, I'm glad to hear that they are moving in a direction and have an idea of what they're trying to do rather than, you know, trying to throw something together still at this point. So that's good. That's good. Right. Yeah. So I thought you'd be interested to hear that. Definitely. Um, that news. Because did you I was. speak, since this is the official Star Wars podcast, real quick, did you see that uh, Neil Blomkamp, apparently turned down the, the option to, or the opportunity to direct Star Trek episode seven. Star Wars? Star Wars. Star Wars episode seven, sorry. Wow. Yeah. Wow, Brian, I'm shocked. Yeah, 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 no, I heard the news and I wanted to mention that a little bit later in movie news, but we can mention it now since we're sorry. on since we're on yeah. Star Wars. But yeah. That's amazing. I would have loved, loved, loved to seen a Star Star Wars movie from him, especially kind of a one off thing. I think he could have sure. done the Boba Fett. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, with his gritty style and Boba Fett kind of like in the slums of Star Wars universe, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, totally. Man, that would have been so great. Well, I'd, I'd uh, love to see it come back to that at some point, you know what I, I mean? Let him come around and do that at some point. But I respect, you know, he basically said, no, I'd, I'd rather focus on my original products or my original uh, uh, deals that he's, he's working on. So that's, you know, project. So that's good um, for him. But I, I'm with you, Ken. I would love to see him come back at some point and do a Boba Fett or a Lando yeah. or something like that. Some one of the the standard. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily cross his name off the list yet. I think, yeah, totally. I think he'll his name will come, you know, in three, four years from now. Uh, yeah. Once these maybe one or two of these Star Wars movies come out and they're hugely successful, billion dollar films, and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he can become involved because yeah. I'm a huge fan. I, of his work. Have you seen the Elysium, the full-length trailer? The yes, 3D? yes. Did you did you see the um, uh, the movie today? Uh, Pacific Rim in 3D. Did you see the trailer for Elysium in 3D as well? No, I didn't see 3D, but yeah. Oh, I, I saw. saw it. I oh, I just got Brian. out and I saw it in 3D. Brian, what I is hate wrong? 3D. Kid. I hate 3D. What is wrong with you? It's not Avatar, and I don't want to see it in 3D. Oh, it was it was <laughs> it was, it was close. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. But. Yeah, the 3D trailer. Oh my, man, it was so great for Elysium, or just the, the the giants. I don't know if it was in 3D actually, but the giant screen trailer. I mean, when sure. the movie's gonna be so good. Yeah, just the scale of it looks amazing. Um, so yeah, that's a couple weeks from now. But I, I wanted to mention about Neil Blomkamp that he has said, um, in 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 his press conferences for Elysium that he has written a treatment for District 10. Yeah. Which is a movie he said has denied in the past, just like he's been denying Star Wars now. Um, that he said he's not interested in making a District Ten. He wanted to focus on new projects, blah blah blah. You know, so that's exciting too. Are you a fan of District Nine? Have we had a District Nine talk on this podcast at all, Brian Richard? I think we brought it up, but I don't know that we've we've discussed it. I love District Nine. I think it's great, and I I I enjoy. I, I, I enjoy all the sci-fi that we're getting right now. I feel like we're in a golden age for science fiction movies, and that's certainly one of the the top products that we've gotten from the genre, in my opinion. After Earth, After Earth certainly set a precedent <laughs> of greatness. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a given. I I didn't even feel like I had to mention it, Richard. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. You guys saw that, man. I still can't believe it. I can't believe it. 
<laughs> yeah, but next week we're doing grown ups. You, too, drove, so you got you in your you got in your car. Got yeah. in your car. Turn turn the key. I put got your, a you put your foot down on the put your foot down on the pedal. Gas was burned. Right. As as your car went to the theater, got out, paid money, and then saw After Earth. Yeah. And I think I got in a wreck in the parking lot afterwards too, so it just really took it to a whole nother level. Your life immediately I changed would, for the worst. You, yeah. you just left that theater and you're like, okay, there's no way I'm a better person after seeing that. <laughs> you just feel dirty, you know? I, yep. I was in Boston for, like, work stuff, and and uh, they were like, uh, hey, Richard, why don't you come out and, uh, you know, have a drink with us after work? These guys will work with us. Like, I can. I got to I gotta go see After Earth. And just the look <laughs> on their faces like, man, this guy, what's his story? Uh, I'll never forget <laughs> that 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 man we recorded an episode and everything but i just lost it and i, I never really <laughs> post it so we, we, we spent all that time episode. the lost episode maybe someday it'll appear who knows yeah. if we get enough requests hope hopefully. not hope yeah. not we'll get you um, back eventually yeah, yeah i'm sure you will which you, you haven't even come close yet but i'm sure someday grown ups like, too next when week right? When, right? when i'm 75 years old i'm just gonna get stabbed in the heart <laughs> Like, remember after earth <laughs> we said we'd get even we did Brian yeah you should have just not gone to Lone Ranger because we knew it was gonna yeah. be awful yeah we should yeah we instead we got it. we went and, and then been like we actually really liked it Ken it will be pretty good I think <laughs> right. you'll like it and then get his hopes up and then yeah that's, that I, I was kind of worried that you guys weren't gonna see it and I was the only one that would have been embarrassing <laughs> y'all would have definitely gotten me back um, as far <laughs> yeah. as that one yeah, I'd watch After Earth seven times before I watch Lone Ranger again. Dead serious. Well, you, wow. just lengthwise, you'd have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Did you guys? Let's talk about this before we get into, before we get into Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim made thirty million dollars last weekend, third place at the box office behind Despicable Me Two, and a little film called Grown Ups Two as well. Uh, so, Brian Gill, I want to hear your thoughts, especially, and, and Richard, prepare your Adam Sandler um, <laughs> thoughts. What the heck happened here? Why? I mean, I know Adam Sandler is a big deal, but what 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 is the deal? What happened? Look, Brian, before you, before yeah. you get started, I'd like, I'd like to sing the national anthem. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Erica, man. The country uh, yeah, we love yeah that's... That's the thing, Kent. People are idiots, and people see bad movies, and this is the state of things that we're... I'm glad... I mean, I feel like it's a step in the right direction that it finished in second place instead of first place. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised at all. It it looked horrible. It is... I'm pretty sure if you've seen the preview, you know exactly what's going to happen the entire movie, and... um, All Adam Sandler movies at this point are the exact same thing, and, and they're bad, but... I, he has two things going for him. He has the the dumb teenager factor, which you know you ne- you can't ever count that out. Uh, the thirteen year old or or whatever that that gets mom and dad to drop him off at the movie with his friends, they're totally in on this. And for some reason, the group that grew up with him that are now in their in their thirties are there's still a faction of that group that goes to see Adam Sandler movies just because, man, I used to love Adam Sandler, and so you just keep going. Grown Ups, the first Grown Ups was the ender for me, because I grew up on Sandler, I loved Adam Sandler movies, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, all those movies, 
Um, my wife and I went to see Grown Ups, and I just I wanted to weep the entire movie. Like I was just I was angry and sad at the same time because it was just such a. It was at that moment that I was like, okay, I'm I can't do this anymore. Like I'm out on Sandler, and and everybody else around me was just dying laughing, and and that hurt my heart as well. So. But people, there's still a, a big faction of, of people within my age group that go to see his movies because it's Adam Sandler and they haven't, either haven't figured out that they're awful or they have, but they can't get over the nostalgia value. I'm just so confused. Why people thought that a grown-up sequel would, A, be funny, considering the first, well, are they just hopeful that it would be funny because the first one wasn't funny? You know, or, or or did people actually enjoy Grown Ups? I mean, I don't know anyone that I know of, hopefully, that has seen and enjoyed Grown Ups. Uh, yeah, I I do. I know people that that will tell you that Grown Ups at the very well at least tell you, well, Grown Ups was fine. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't great, but I I enjoyed it. It was enjoyable, and I I don't agree with that. I think that's I really think that movie is horrible. But I I do know I, I, th- I know I that there is a very disappointing. Yeah, it was I, very poor effort to have all those oh, funny guys. And there is no effort. Funny. There's none. There's there's no effort anymore, and that's that's part of the Sandler thing. It's it's you know we talked about Will Smith at some point uh, a couple of months ago and how he he's going to take the safe route every time now. I mean he's just stuck in this mode where he's he's never going to take a chance. Sandler, in my opinion, this what I the thing with Sandler is he went out. He tried to break away from that. He did Punch Drunk Love. He did. Um, even Spanglish, Spanglish yeah. is is kind of a serious affair, and I think he's very good in Spanglish. He had ran over me, ran over me, which is a crappy movie, but he is really, really good in it, and it's very dramatic and serious. He tried to do the serious movies, um, and even some of his dumber comedies, he tried to to add in like a lot more heart. Like Click comes to mind of trying to make that more of a family movie rather than just an idiot movie, which is most of what his other stuff is, and no one would accept it. You know, the critics still panned all this stuff. No one accepts him as a serious actor. And I feel, I really truly feel like Grown Ups, Grown Ups 2, Jack and Jill, all these, this is basically him saying, okay, you didn't take me seriously as an actor, so here's what you wanted. Here's here's Jack and Jill where I'm going to play both, you know, a man and a woman, and you just <laughs> have to take it. This is your, this is your penance for, for, what, for what you did to me. If that's what he's doing, and he's just punking everybody because... They said he couldn't act, like, for real. He's yeah. like, all right, well, you know what I'm going to do? For the next 20 years, I'm going to torture you guys. Yeah. Hopefully, I totally hopefully that, that. I he's totally an evil he, genius, if, if that's true, and that's I awesome. think he totally <laughs> knows what he's doing. And he gets and, a pass. <laughs> I don't know why Chris Rock got involved with this movie. Maybe Again, maybe he just feels like he owes Sandler something, but the rest of those guys have nothing going for him. Kevin James is awful. Uh, David Spade has not done anything worthwhile since Tommy Boy. You know what I mean? And these guys don't have anything going for him, so... Um, if Sandler's going to pay him a little bit of money to hang around with him, but I totally, I, I 100% believe that Sandler knows everything he's putting out is crap, but it's, it's making money and he gets paid ridiculous sums off of all these movies. So why take a chance? If you're not going to take him seriously, then why should I put myself on the line? Um, when I know I can just make 20 million plus, you know, incentives on the back end for all these terrible, terrible movies that 12 year olds go to see. Right, it's Adam Sandler's production company that yeah that puts these on, and he writes the movies, and it's yeah. his friend that directs them, and I'm sure he, I mean, he's he's probably in real life, he's probably friends with Spade, yeah, with Chris Rock, and with Kevin James, and with Schneider, and he's probably like, hey guys, uh, f- my four best friends, uh, let's make this movie. Um, trust me, I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna split this a huge 
ways and make everybody um, think it's worth it for them to be involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, he basically every cent that's made off these movies, it goes almost directly to him. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like he he owns everything about it except, I mean, he probably spends what twenty million dollars on Grown Ups to make Grown Ups, and it already made. Almost fifty, probably yeah. sixty now or seventy. It actually it actually so. cost eighty to make, but I guarantee you that's what? all his salary. I guarantee, like that's that's him, that's Kevin James, that's him paying his buddies. That's I mean that's yeah. that's what it amounts to, and he makes every. Almost, I, <laughs> I bet you, I bet you, one out of every three dollars that comes in on that movie goes directly back to him, some way or another. So maybe even one out of every two dollars. I mean, right. it's it's kind of a no brainer for him in a in a weird way. It's just a bummer that. Because I, like I said, I, I, I do believe that Sandler is talented. Maybe not a great actor by any means, but he could do better things than what he's doing. But this is what makes money, and why, why risk it? Why put my neck on the line for anything that's different than this? You know? Yeah. Richard, any thoughts on this? No, I mean you, you touched on kind of what I said. I mean, it's not just a Sandler thing. You have to keep in mind, like you said, it's this whole. You know, it's this entire dorm floor from NYU 30 years ago, and then that that writes and directs and produces these, and then, you know, if you're Chris Rock and it's, like, kind of the same thing, never really been appreciated, at least in the cinema world, you know, he's such a successful stand-up, but his movies have been less than stellar, and it's like, hey, you want to go hang out with your buddies? They're always they're always filmed on location somewhere cool. This one's, like, what, at a camp? So yeah. they literally go to, like, a summer camp together with their buddies that they've all been friends with for... Year. I mean, they've all been friends 25 years, except for Kevin James, who they just replaced when Chris Farley died. Uh, you're fat and blonde. You'll do. And <laughs> then, uh, and so they they go to a summer camp. They go to Hawaii. They go to, you know, wherever the heck the movie takes place. They hang out. They probably have a great time. Uh, they hang out with themselves and a bunch of beautiful women. Yeah. And then they make a human steaming pile of dog manure, and then they get rich off of it, and great. they're kind of my heroes for that. And yeah, like you said, I mean, I mean, it's a truly terrible movie. Sandler tried, tried to do some interesting things. I love Punch Drunk Love, and I, especially his performance. It's one of my yeah. favorite ever, uh, of anybody ever. I love that performance and all that movie. But, uh, he, you know, like you said, he's kind of become his character from Funny People, uh, sure. which is another... And oh, he, yeah, you know, I forgot we, that one, yeah. He's kind of... These movies, that, like if that, Jack if and Jill... If you can get past the two and a half hours of Funny People, I think... That he has a really good performance in Funny People. He is. Yeah. No, that's. I, I think Funny People was a very flawed movie, um, yeah. and kind of a vanity project for a lot of people. Apatow and those. It's not a vanity project for Sandler. And when you in, in that movie, even though I don't care for it very much, there's parts I really like, but it's just overly long, even more than any other Apatow movie, and so on and so forth. But um, you know, when you watch him with a Seth Rogen or somebody that you know, or Jonah Hill, people we consider to be really talented, when you watch Sandler in that movie, you're like, man, this guy's a lot better than these guys. Like, he's a really good actor. Yeah, He's totally. acting on another level right now that they are not capable of. By the way, Jonah Hill nominated for an Academy Award. You know, and so Sandler has that type of talent to really give these nuanced performances, and he doesn't because, you know, he, he makes money. And I can't really fault him for it. It's not like these are, you know, like, you know, he makes a lot of money off them. I would just like to see him every once in a while mix one in that was decent. Yeah. Um, we're going on about five or six of these in a row that are pretty awful. Um, but, more than that. You know, you more than you would think. There's some. Yeah. There's, there's ones you don't I even Daddy, register. Big Daddy was the last one I liked. 
I think, honestly. And that was like 99. So we're going That was his last years. good one. And then he did Punch Drunk Love, I think, in like 01 or yeah, 02. I just, and then after yeah, that, I I just, for like I just, eight years, oh my, it was just pure crap again. He did like yeah, Mr. Deeds. I, <laughs> yeah. Some some really bad stuff. Um, and he was, um, he, like, I, I mean, I'm with you guys, you know, I was a big, he was a big influence, especially those like comedy records he did, you know, in yeah. the 90s were like, immensely influential on my sense of humor sure uh but but still it's just kind of sad to see you know that happen you know someone really kind of fall off but you know what it's not unprecedented i mean this is the eddie murphy period the you know the 2000s i mean this is kind of except he's making money at it uh but every you know every kind of transcendent comedic star eventually falls i mean mike myers Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, to a certain extent. I mean, all these people kind of fall off. I, I guess it's just something you can't. Um, yeah, but the last few movies are as follows. Uh, I'm going to read these off to you. Just go. So after, There's some bad ones, after, man. Yeah. After Big Daddy, we have Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds. And I, I'm going to leave out the dramatic ones because those are obviously good. I'm going to leave out the punch rock gloves and stuff. I just mean the Adam Sandler type comedy films. So we got Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds. Anger Management, Fifty First Dates, The Longest Yard, Click, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. This is when the real turn comes. Yeah, yeah. You Don't Mess With the Zohan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so bad. Bedtime Stories, Grown Ups, Just Go With It, Zookeeper, Jack and Jill, That's My Boy, and... uh, Grown Ups too, and he's got a new one coming out called Blended, twenty fourteen. <laughs> Pulling this up here, let's Starring let's get the Kevin James, uh, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> oh no, Terry Crews, no Terry, no, <laughs> get, out <of> there. <laughs> get out of there, bombshell, yep. Joel McHale. Okay, no. stop, stop saying names, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we get the point. Yeah, bad stuff. But he did write this. This was written by two other people that don't appear to be in his posse. Okay. So that's good. No, that's good. Now, our wish is um, granted, I guess. Maybe he does. Yeah. going to do something good. Hopefully. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? 
Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Uh, we got to move on, though. We got to talk about Packers. At the end of our time, we have chosen to believe in each other. Today we face the monsters that are at our door. Today we are canceling the apocalypse. All right, guys. Pack freaking rim up in here. <laughs> Uh, I want to get your thoughts, Brian, uh, in a second, but I want to give my first impressions first. So, Richard, yeah. prepare your prepare your first impressions. Uh, okay. I just want to say, as you guys have know, and uh, as people of the podcast know, I am very was very very excited to see Pacific Rim. Uh, every trailer that that I saw uh, piqued my interest even more uh, before seeing it. So, I had really high expectations going into the film. A lot of my expectations were not met, um, which I'll go into details later about, but I want to say for the majority of the most part, uh, this movie was an A-plus to me. Um, And I know that because um, I figured out that, A, I hated every performance in the movie, (laughs) acting-wise, and B, uh, still loved the movie. So there had to have been something great there. for me to still feel that way about a movie in which every performance was almost cringeworthy. So those are my first impressions. Uh, Brian, give me your th- thoughts and initial impressions on Pacific Rim. I, uh, you know, I really, I really liked it. It was, I, I didn't really know what to expect going in um, because I, I think I've said before on our, on our show that uh, it kind of looked like a Michael Bay movie to me. It kind of looked like Michael Bay directs, Money Morphin Power Rangers, um, and so I wasn't really sure how that was going to go in. And and which, I, which I, is gonna, which is already um, greenlit, by the way. <laughs> Power Rangers. All right. Um, and I I really don't know so much what to expect from from Del Toro, to be honest with you, because I I don't love a lot of the movies that he has made, and and I mean he really hasn't made that many movies to begin with, um, but like. The Hellboy movies are not great to me. Pan's Labyrinth is is very good, but anyway, I haven't seen a lot of his stuff, and I haven't enjoyed just to the full extent everything that I have seen. Um, and I, I will say this: I think it took like an hour for me to get into the movie, but at that point um, it became just a really, really fun summer movie. Um, that didn't take itself too seriously, but also I I will say it's. I'm hearing a lot of, or I've seen a lot of people say, call it, you know, just a dumb summer movie. And I, I actually think that, um, 
that it's not dumb. I think it's very smart in the way that it approaches the subject matter. And I, I, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. It's got a lot of great visuals, a lot of great action scenes. And it, it's just a movie, to me at least, that it wins you over as it goes. You may start. I started out a little bit cold with it. Um, and by the end, I was really, uh, I was really digging it. So it's, it's very good, very good in my opinion. Richard Barton. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I just saw the movie this afternoon and, uh, it's, it, it has such a degree of difficulty to execute well. Um, and it, it's, it succeeds in that it's, you know, obviously it's a dumb premise. It's a borderline B movie premise. It's you know not quite Sharknado, but you know <laughs> s- still kind of silly, and it's just executed flawlessly. I think uh, Del Toro's a real talent. I I'm with you, Brian. I'm I don't hate the Hellboy movies, but I'm lukewarm on them. I love Pan's Labyrinth, though. It's a movie I kind of accidentally fell into uh, a few years ago, and kind of got dragged to the theater to see it and 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 loved it and and so you know he's he, like you said i was excited when he, he he signed on for the hobbit and then he didn't do that and he doesn't hasn't made very many movies but i was pretty excited for this one and i love idris elba and i was really fired up and i, I wasn't that down I, I i wouldn't go a plus kent on it just because of because of the, some of the acting and, and the premise of it. I but, said besides you know, my besides the flaws, it's an A plus. Did you see? What okay. I mean? <laughs> great, great. But I think it's movies. like a A plus execution of like a D minus idea. And right. there's something sort of satirical and subversive about that. And the like you said, Brian, it is a pretty smart uh, deal. So definitely, definitely, uh, definitely recommend it. I would I give it a strong B easily. One of the better movies I've seen this summer, sure. And especially since it's original, it's not based on a comic book. It's not based on a TV show or anything. It's just a movie. It was right. just fun to go and see a movie and meet characters for the first time totally. and, and, and hang out. So so definitely good good times there. Yeah, exactly. I really loved, Brian, you touched on this a little bit um, in your initial impressions. I really loved how self-aware uh, mm-hmm. Del Toro was while making this movie. It really It really made me laugh and smile. At some of the little touches he gave us, um, when I mean they're in the middle of these giant fight at the in the third act. Um, I mean it's the most stereotypical summer blockbuster fight you could have. It's you know it's the going through the streets of a highly populated city and tearing buildings down right. as you're fighting each other. And there's a moment where you know one of the uh, one of the Jaegers or one of the good guys, I should say, if you haven't seen the movie. One of the good guys' arms goes through a building, and he just hits a desk chair, and the little, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess Newton's cradle starts moving. Sure. And then his arm comes out, and he keeps fighting. You know, it's just uh, – if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, that little touch was hilarious. Um, it was almost Whedon-esque, you know. It's like he borrowed some of those little Whedonisms uh, and, and put them in there. So it had those funny little moments that I really wanted in this movie um, going into it. And so I really liked that. The CGI in this movie was unbelievable. The you can really tell that he molded, you know, practical effects with CGI in a lot of areas. And mm-hmm. that a lot it was really thought out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't seem this didn't seem like thrown together like a Michael Bay movie feels. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Ryan? Sure. Um, yeah. And I really feel like Michael Bay's stuff, especially like Revenge of the Fallen Transformers, 
I mean, that came out what a year after the first Transformers, right? Right. Uh, and you, it's you can't make a movie that complex in a year. You just can't, and it's going to look like crap. And if you do, if you can throw it together that fast, uh, right. this movie just felt like it. He knew what he was doing all along, and it's it's goes to show because I mean, he said he said in interviews, Del Toro has that. The, the, the shots were so complex for a lot of the sequences that, I mean, he had to de- decide, set in stone, um, you know, a year before they even started shooting the movie, what the shot was going to be. And he couldn't change it because right. they were already working on it in the computer. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And so he was kind of, you know, limited in that in that aspect on the freedom on, on the day of the set and, cha- and choosing it and letting the film adapt, you know, as you're shooting it. Um, so for it to come together as well as it did at such an early age when it was, you know, locked in a safe, the key was thrown away at such an early stage of production, um, it's really amazing. And so I think, man, this, like you said, Brian, this is a summer blockbuster, but it's the, one of the best summer blockbusters I've ever seen. It takes every trope from, you know, every summer blockbuster and like does it successfully Sure. It doesn't come. They don't come off cheesy in any way. Do you know what I mean? It's just like so satisfying to see uh, a yeah. summer blockbuster that's actually smart. After we suffered through Lone Ranger right. you know, a week before, so yeah, I just I felt like it was kind of a breath of fresh air in a weird way because you you guys both said it. Um, it's not. I think it's kind of a cross between. It's a it's an original idea. You know, it's not based on a on a comic book, which is great. Um, but. Pretty much everything in the movie has been done in something else. You know, it's it's Avatar yes. plus uh, Independence Day plus Transformers plus Godzilla plus Top Gun, um, and you you have a whole lot of things that you've seen before, and it's pulling them all together. And a lot of times that turns me off, and it it turns other uh, you know it turns off the critics and whatnot. Um, but Del Toro he does it with just such a he does it in such a likable way. And I think part of it is because he he himself is a very likable guy. When you see him in interviews and whatnot, you 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 gravitate towards him because he's just such a genuinely cool guy, I guess. Um, and I think that that kind of bleeds through in 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 his movie. Um, I I could have used a little more of Kent. You 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 touched on like the little comedy aspects, the yeah. uh, the the desk thing, and the the post credit scene was another little. I, I really enjoyed those moments, and I, I think that that is what, maybe more than anything, I think that's what the movie is missing. I think it could have used a few more of those touches to not, you know, not to turn it into a comedy, but to to have a little bit more break. I think that's part of why, like, The Avengers succeeds so well is because it's a really funny movie. In the, in the, in the action, it, you know, they have these little stop-downs that are very humorous, but they seem natural, um, which is definitely a weedonism in and of itself. Um, I could have used more of that, and I think that would have helped uh, my overall impression of the movie. But overall, but altogether, it's it's still very good. It's a lot of it's man. It's just so much fun. Um, and uh, in a year where, quite honestly, I don't feel like we're getting a lot of great movies, especially summer type blockbusters. I mean, I really liked Star Trek, and after that, I mean, maybe World War Z is probably the the second best movie that I've seen this summer. Um, and then Pacific Rim is there, and it, and it's just so such a such a breath of fresh air compared to like what we watched last week for the show, what we're going to watch this week for you know next week for the show, and and so on. And and so I, I really I really appreciated that and enjoyed it coming out. 
Richard, what did you really, really enjoy about about Pacific Rim specifically? Um, the cinema, the cinematography, and the yeah, you saw it in three D. The three D was amazing, was it? Wasn't yeah, it? it was. I thought it, it was, was. Uh, in, the best I've seen since Avatar. Really, besides uh, like animated movies or something. Uh, yeah. So no, uh, it, it it had some really breathtaking shots. Uh, the way they used the camera, the way they used perspective on it was was really cool. Um, you know, uh, the, the, I, I thought the sound was great on it. Yes. Uh, it really, really cool sound engineering and it, it wasn't over, you know, it's so easy to make a, a robot movie just overly loud and this wasn't, I mean, it was loud, but it didn't like cringe or I didn't cringe or anything. Um, no, definitely an incredible technical achievement and that just yeah. lends to the, to the, uh, you know, a, ability of del toro and his cohorts and making this sort of ridiculous thing seem totally plausible while you're in it just by the way it's shot yeah it um it was amazing man the first freaking 10 minutes or 20 minutes of this movie i don't think i've been that pumped up in a long time i felt like i just worked out and like taking steroids (laughs) when they like the just the opening sequence where they show the kaiju for the first time. That has kind of the voiceover narration of the history of the how the kaiju came there. And then right. uh, they go to the kind of the academy and they have like suit up sequence, you know, the most cliche right. thing and everything. Right. But it's the best suit up sequence ever. I mean, it's so right. freaking badass. Uh, gah. And when they first get in the, uh, in the Jaeger and um, he kind of had – they kind of have a – a wreck or whatever, and his guy gets, you know, ripped out of it. And that just before they even show the name of the movie, everything that happens before that, right. like, holy crap, that was so amazing. Right. That could be a freaking movie right there. But man, this was, it was so awesome, especially after his partner gets ripped out of the, of the Jaeger in the first uh, scene, they, they show Idris Elba and he's like, oh no, what do we do now? And he gives this blank stare and then they go, cut immediately to a, a snowy beach, you know? And the, yeah. the, 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 the son and the dad uh, with the metal detector on the beach. And like, uh, they find a, a, whatever, a toy robot in the, in the snow. And then they turn yeah. their head and the Jaeger's coming on the shore, you know, sure. uh, from the ocean. That shot was so freaking breathtaking and awesome. Like, I've never seen, like... A robot. I mean, something CGI that was pulled off that well. Looked. I mean, it looked so good. It was took me back to like the brontosaurus scene in Jurassic Park. You know, where where you're. It's taken from the perspective of the ground, and you're looking up at something, and you're just like, oh my gosh! Like you feel the scale of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was this movie was sprinkled with moments like that. Uh, so that was just something that that stood out to me. Um. So I wanted to ask you, Brian, what what did you dislike? Um, you know, I, like I said, I could have used a little more, a, a little more comedy because there, every moment that brought that 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 element forward, I really loved it. And it, but that kind of, in a way, that kind of highlighted that there wasn't a lot of that that I really picked up on. Um, you know, I, you guys mentioned the the acting, and I'll, I thought there was some bad acting for sure, but I wasn't nearly as I guess I wasn't I didn't focus near as much on it. Maybe partly because. Uh, I love Charlie Hunnam. He's what is uh, that noise? I don't know. It's not me. Uh, Sons of Anarchy is maybe my favorite 
show, uh, and, and he's the, he's the main character on that. So I, I very much appreciate his work, um, and I love Idris Elba. Um, you know, there is definitely some. Uh, it wasn't great acting all around, but I, I I didn't focus on it. If nothing else, it didn't it didn't make yeah. me want to die. And usually, if it's really bad acting, I I can't not focus in on that. So either. Either the rest of the movie is so good that I didn't really notice it that much, or maybe I just I was just blinded to it. But anyway, um, you know, yeah, there's not a lot to dislike about the movie. I just, I think that the it can't to me it can't be any better than like an A minus because of just the general subject matter. You know what I mean? Because it's just kind of yeah. like you you have giant robots fighting giant monster aliens, and it's it's just kind of ridiculous, and so. I couldn't go any higher than that, but to me, it's it's a solid B plus, and maybe I could even sneak it in as an as an A minus, um, and and a lot of that would be based on the back half because I like I said it it very much won me over as the as the movie went. I was kind of cold to it for a while, um, and as it went, I just I got more and more into it, which is that's I, I, in, in a way that's that's kind of how it should be. So. Um, yeah, it was, man, really liked the movie a lot. I will see it many more times. I don't know if I'll buy it, but if it comes out on HBO, I'll watch it a thousand times. Like there, or when it, when it inevitably makes it to TNT or TBS or something like that on weekends, this is all I'm going to watch over and over again. Absolutely. It's just, it's just so much it, fun. It, it, I've seen it twice already, guys. Fake, I think. <laughs> wow. Confession. I think it's fate. It's just to be a very, very repeatable, rewatchable um, yeah. cable movie for the rest of time. Right. If, you know, FX or TNT haven't already slurped this up, then... You know what's so depressing, though? It, this movie's not going to get a sequel because it made $30 million opening weekend. Like, what? Of all the movies that deserve another movie, this is it. Do you know uh, what I mean? Like MacGruber only, MacGruber only made $5 million, so... <laughs> right. Right. That's true. But you can't make a sequel to this for $5 million like you can make McGruber. Right. But, like, right. they're going to make Grown Ups 3. You know they already greenlit that. Like, they're going to make Despicable Me 3. Like, come on. Give us – Pacific Rim 2 would be amazing. Like, this can of, you know, tomatoes that he's given the world and opened and thrown on all of us has is amazing. Like, but, I, I, I want to live in this world that he's created for this movie. Do you know what I mean? Can I like, say, every though? Every aspect of this movie, I just was like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I'm with you more based on the, do we really need, I mean, we didn't need a sequel to Grown Ups. Do we need a second sequel to Grown Ups? But I will say this. I think the fact that this is, that this is probably going to be a standalone film kind of makes it better, in my opinion. Like, you're never going to have you might be anything right, yeah. that cheapens what, what has happened here. And, and honestly, I mean, this is, to me, this is, while I agree with you in that the world that it's created is really cool, this is a movie that, in my opinion, is geared towards just being one single movie, not a franchise, not a tentpole, none of this stuff, um, and just let you enjoy what you get rather than try to extend it to make it something that it's not or to, to try to turn it into a franchise. So, I mean, I'm with you just in the sentiment, Kent, of, man, it really stinks that we live in a world where Grown Ups 3 is going to get made, but we can't, nobody will go see an original summer blockbuster like this, but... I'm kind of glad that it didn't do so well that we're immediately going to have to get a sequel that probably Del Toro is not going to be that either not that involved with, or if he is involved, his heart's not going to be in it. It's going to be stretching it to do stuff that we, that we're not having to deal with in this movie. And 
And I, I kind of like that it's just going to end where it's at. And that's all that I, all that I have to think about when it comes to this movie is this one particular two hours, you know? I wanted to ask you, Richard. Yeah. What's the deal with Idris Elba's accents in all his movies? Can you decide, please, once and for all, I don't on know. an accent? Like, this movie, it was so ADD in his accent. You know what I mean? What, right. No, can I he know. Not do, he, can he not just do his normal, his English accent? Like, right. what? I don't. Yeah, you know I know. I, I wouldn't mind. No, yeah, I'm with you. I'm and, with like, you. the same thing in Prometheus. Like, he was just this weird, like, redneck slash English guy. Like, it, yeah. he needs to decide. Like, it bothers. It truly bothers me. I think it really distracts me from his performance in a lot of movies. Uh, Brian, I don't know Perkins. if you have any thoughts on that, but uh, maybe he just has like a really bad, like his normal accent is is like like a really bad Cockney accent or something. Like <laughs> he sounds like Dick Van Dyke or something from <laughs> like Mary Poppins. I don't know. I don't know. It didn't bother me in this movie. I don't know what it is. I don't really pick up on that very often unless it is. Um like inconsistent, I guess. And maybe you're saying it's inconsistent in this and I just completely didn't pay attention to it. But I can usually bypass now a bad that I, accent. Now that I mentioned that, you're gonna Yeah, it may it may just gonna completely break me when I go back and watch it. But like like for I think the the classic example on that sort of thing is like uh Robin Hood Prince of Prince of Thieves where Kevin Costner is just straight not doing an accent and everybody else is and it's like uh, that never bothered me because I'm like, well, you know, whatever. Um it only really bothers me when somebody goes up and down on where their their accent is and what you know what kind of accent they're trying to do. So I, I guess next time I watch it, I'll I'll now be watching for that and maybe it'll ruin the movie for me. So thanks a lot for that, Kent. But uh, I I don't know what his deal is. I love Elba, but you're right. I think he's it's, a great actor. I'm just saying, like, yeah, it seems like every movie he's trying to do something different with the way right. he, he chooses his accents and like. I mean, I know he can do an American accent because he did it on The Office, and I right. didn't even know he was British back then. I thought he was straight up American, and yeah. I know he the can wire. do the wire. The wire, he can do a British accent. Yeah. Um, no, the wire. The or, wire I mean, is I very. Mean, I mean, yeah. So American accent, yeah. I mean, American accent. I mean, I was talking about Luther. I was thinking Luther when you said. Yeah, yeah, you're the wire. No, you're fine. Um, but yeah, I love his acting, and I just, I mean, it really does take away from his performances. I think, uh, sure. Brian. Yeah. Uh, specifically, what did you? Lo- Something you really liked specifically about about Pacific Rim? Yeah, uh, other than what you guys have already mentioned, I love. What was the, a wow? What was a wow moment for you? Sure, I I love the the design. I love the the creature design and the the technology design of the suits and the different suits. I thought that, or I don't know if you call them suits, whatever they are, the the uh, yeah. the Jaegers, the robots. Um, I I love that there was you know it featured four or five five Jaegers and they were all completely different. I thought, that, and they were so well designed. Um, and obviously that's a, that's a major skill that del Toro brings to the table is, is, is creature and, and, and whatnot design. Um, so I thought that, that was great. And I, I really loved the way that he, he used those different, uh, the different creatures, the different Jaegers. And, um, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, there was a whole lot of, I mean, you know, there, I guess there's really not a jump out moment of just man that one thing was awesome, but every every fight and and battle that they got into between the between the monsters and the robots was just was really well shot and well designed and well just well done in general. Um, you didn't have anything that just looked stupid or out of place, and obviously all of it. You know, I would guess almost all of it is is uh, CGI, but it it is really well crafted CGI. 
And and so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed, obviously this is an action movie and obviously that's what it's supposed to do is, is have great action scenes. But I mean, you guys know as well as I do, we see a lot of action movies that have really bad action in them or at least unconvincing action scene sequences. And, uh, and this is definitely not in that boat. It knows what it is and it does, it does that very well. So that's what I, I, I think I appreciate the most about it. Yeah. I, I, it's really depressing now. The fact that we're not going to get del Toro for star Wars, you know? Yeah, sure. Just imagine what he could do in that universe. It would be incredible. Yeah. But he's another one, though, that, I mean, if they really do stick to this plan of we're going to do a trilogy and then we're going to do standalone films, I could definitely see him taking on some strange uh, side character or new character or whatever from uh, from the Star Wars universe. And, I mean, how cool would it be to see him craft some movie, like, based on Dagobah or something where Yoda ended up crashing, right. you know, with just these weird creatures and this weird planet that does... Uh, creepy, strange stuff. Um, I mean, there's no limit to... I mean, there's really no limit to what they can do with that universe if they do really and truly decide to open it up. And Del Toro would be in my top three or, or five of, okay, I just want you to take this one part of the Star Wars universe. I'm going to give you 80 or or $100 million, and I just want you to make one really cool and maybe make it like really kind of creepy Star Wars movie. Go. You know, um, I, I'd love to see what that what happens with that, and I, I hope that he gets that opportunity at some point for sure. Yeah, I think he will. Hopefully, what are uh, you? Do you enjoy some performances? And I really, I, I need to go on the record and say I really didn't enjoy any performance uh, in Pacific Rim. So don't think I'm I'm praising uh, the acting in this movie when I say it's one of the best movies <laughs> I've seen in a long time because it's sure. everything but the acting that I liked really. Um, so yeah, you know whose performance people, did you like? People bash on Hunnam for, and he's the he plays the main character Riley. I always thought I thought he was the same kid the whole movie uh, until I left and looked up his name. I thought he was the same kid from Tron Legacy the whole time. Oh no, that's uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't know. They looked exactly yeah, the Grant, same. And they were, what's yeah. his name? Garrett um, uh, well, Garrett Hedlum. Yeah, Garrett Hedlum. Yeah. Um, who again, I, I think he's a fairly decent actor and doesn't get credit for too, but no, um, I love Sons of Anarchy. Um, that's like I said, I think I said earlier, this is probably my favorite, my favorite show on television. Um, and, and Hunnam gets, at least in the early days of that show, he got a lot of crap for being a bad actor on there as well. And I gotta say, I don't see it. Like I, I really enjoy what he does on that show and he's definitely grown into it there as well. Um, but I did see some other, you, you've mentioned it and I, I saw a couple other people kind of bash on, on what he's doing here and maybe I'm just oblivious to it, but I, I think that he embodied that character quite well. Um, and maybe, maybe just in general, this is not a movie that was written to be a showcase for, for the actors. I think that that's very fair to say. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't mind, I didn't mind any of it. I, I'm not going to. Nobody here deserves special mention as as you know doing a, putting on a great performance or a great show. But uh, you know, I I didn't think anybody was that bad, and I I maybe I just have a soft spot for Hunnam because I really I, I enjoyed what he was he was doing, even if it wasn't uh, Oscar worthy material. Yeah, I'm really excited that you and Richard enjoyed this movie because I knew you guys criticized Iron Man three for being bombastic. 
and I think this is the most bombastic thing we've gotten this summer, maybe. Yeah, felt, but it, to me, it more bombastic than Man of Steel and World yeah, War Z and everything. Um, but it fits. That's the thing for me. Okay. Man of or, or Iron Man three, the 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 third act, or really not even the last fifteen minutes, was just such. It, to me, it just came out of nowhere, and it was just such an unimaginative finale to a a a movie and a franchise that really had done a good job up to that point of being imaginative throughout. Um, this is, you know, what do you, you know, when the whole movie is about aliens versus robots, it's supposed to be ridiculous and bombastic and, and over the top and out of control. And I actually thought that they, I thought that Del Toro and, and everybody that's working on it um, kind of, they brought it in and made it very tight where I, it could have been completely nuts and out of control. So I, I, I really, yeah. pre- I don't mind huge and big and dumb and bombastic and all of that. I just want it to fit the movie. Um, and I think okay. if you don't go out of control with, or, or not out of control, but if you don't go big and big, bold and dumb, like they did with this, then you're, you're kind of missing the point of, of a movie that's about giant robots against giant monsters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's I kind know, of like doing a fast, it's kind of like doing a Fast and the Furious movie and then be like, uh, we're not going to have any car chases in this movie at all. And they're like, well, but that's why we're all here, you know? I'm here to see a monster and an alien, or and a ro- I keep saying monster and an alien, a monster and a robot throw each other through buildings, you know? Yep. I know, I know, and I love this movie. So I just want people to know that I love it and you hate it. <laughs> uh, no, very good. Liked it a lot. I'll watch it. So give me your grade, Brian. Sometimes. Honestly, uh, I probably. I'm gonna go with a B plus. I could maybe I could probably talk myself into an A minus just based on it, it it absolutely accomplishes what it's trying to accomplish, but I would say I, I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with a B plus. I'm gonna stick with an A. Just give me a solid A. Sweet. It's my favorite movie of the year besides uh, I'm gonna have to say Star Trek in the Darkness. And now you or, see me. Su- yeah. Surprisingly, yeah. Now you see me. Uh, but Star Trek into Dark- <laughs> Star Trek into Darkness, World War Z, yeah. and and this. Uh, definitely, yeah. I'm still thinking about those uh, when I think about this year in movies. So hopefully, we get um, some more on that on that level. Yep. Uh, let's move on, shall we? And let's do weekly recommends. Sure. So uh, Brian, weekly recommend. Yeah, uh, I feel like I've been recommending a lot of like TV and books and podcasts, things like that lately, and maybe not so many movies. Um, but I saw a, a documentary this weekend that uh, Kent and Richard, I know both of you are going to love this one. Um, so I'll recommend it to you, and hopefully some of our listeners will take me up on it as well. It's called Stories We Tell. Um, it uh, I had to I, it was only showing for, for two days at one of the little art house theaters around here. Um, so I don't know how easily people are going to be able to access it until it gets to Netflix. Um, when it does get to Netflix, I'll be sure to mention it here so people can, can get a chance to see it. Um, it is about, it, there's an actress named Sarah Polly who has been, she's a recognizable person. I'm trying to pull her, her, uh, file up here. Um, she was in, uh, Oh, it's a horror movie, and now I'm totally blanking on it. Um, shoot, Splice uh, with like Adrian Brody, I think, was in that movie. Anyway, yeah. uh, if you see her, you 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 recognize her. Um, so she decided that she was going to make a documentary about her family, and uh, 
the reason that she decided to do this is because at some point in her late teens, she began to suspect that she had a different father than her brother, than her, her other siblings. Like we all do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and her mother had died in, when she was a, a preteen, um, and she'd spent several years just kind of, you know, it was like a family joke that, you know, she doesn't look like her dad, um, whereas everybody else did. And so she, she started doing some digging and it's not a spoiler to tell you this cause it's, I mean, it's the main premise of the movie, but she does, she discovers that, that she has a different father than, um, than the rest of her, her siblings. And so she, she kind of pieces together this documentary about her family, her own existence, and, and in particular her mother. Um, and basically what she does is she has all the members of the family and she has, I think, I think four brothers and sisters, her, her father, her biological father, her, some friends that knew her mom, things like that. They all sit down in front of the camera and tell their side of the story or their understanding of the story of what happened between her mom and her dad and how they came together and all this sort of thing. It is an incredibly well-crafted movie. Um, it's, I mean, it, it goes in a lot of directions that you don't necessarily expect it to go. You get a great deal of insight, I think, into just the, the family dynamic um, and it's, it's oddly suspenseful in a weird way. Um, cause you know, you basically know what's going to happen the whole time. Cause they tell you up front pretty much that, you know, her mom, uh, had an affair at some point and this is her, you know, she's the product of that, but, uh, she put the film together so well and that you get these little surprises here and there, uh, that really catch you off guard and keep you kind of on your toes. Um, so anyway, it's a really, really, I'd been looking forward to it for a really long time. Um, and it's it's just it, it totally lived, lived up to my expectations. It's very good. It's called Stories We Tell, uh, directed by Sarah Polly. So I hope some people, if it's still showing in a theater near you, I hope you'll get a chance to see it. And if not, I will make sure that I make note of it when it does uh, finally get to Netflix. Great, thanks, Brian. Stories We Tell documentary uh, is available now in theaters. So go see that, and I'll put the link on the website. So go just check that out if you want to check it out. Uh, Richard Barton, weekly recommend. My weekly recommend this week is a book that came out last Tuesday uh, by Chuck Klosterman, uh, oh. who who's a pop culture essayist of of some acclaim over the last ten to fifteen years, and uh, his books normally consist of just kind of random essays about uh, culture at large and interlocking themes throughout, or their or their novels. He has a couple novels as well. This book is kind of a new departure for him where it, it is a series of essays over a centralized theme and that centralized theme this time is villainy and right. the act of, of villains both in culture and in ourselves and how we look at villainy throughout it's a m- masterful marvelous book I read it in two days um, couldn't put it down uh, just absolutely fantastic book couldn't recommend it higher for just an entertaining read uh, a lot of really modern I would I would recommend reading it soon because with any culture book you know sometimes the culture moves on and the criticism is is becomes uh waning but uh this is just a a fantastic book about uh what we interpret villains to be what makes villains what makes certain people that are worse not villains and things like that and and why uh as an example he uses which i think is very apt uh early in the book he says 
uh, we were talking about Star Wars earlier, and you know when you show Star Wars to a kid, a young kid, four, five, six years old, he loves Luke Skywalker because he's the most interesting character because he's good and he saves the world. Then as that kid gets older, uh, becomes a young teenager or, or uh, you know an older kid, you know we they find Han Solo to be the most interesting because you know he pretends to be bad but he's really good. And then as you get to be in your twenties, everyone's favorite character is Darth Vader. Um, because we see that in ourselves. Uh, and so it's just a really interesting take on, on, uh, on, you know, the concept of villainy. So couldn't recommend a higher. I, it's called, I wear the black hat by right. Chuck Klosterman. I love Klosterman. That's going to be, I, I'm excited to read that one. My week recommend this week is a documentary as well, Brian. I'm copying you. Hope, All right. hope you, uh, hope you don't mind. Uh, it's a musical documentary. One of the best music documentaries about a band that I've ever seen. It is on Netflix. I always try to do listeners a favor, you know, pick something on Netflix so that they can sure. actually watch it. Uh, so you guys might want to, you know, take a note out of my book on that one. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but I, no, I'm just kidding. It's on Netflix. It's called Pearl Jam 20. I don't know if you've oh, seen it. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Brian, I, you probably have too, Richard. But it's directed by Cameron Crowe. Yeah. And it chronicles the life of the band Pearl Jam from Seattle, a grunge band from the U.S., and it just basically chronicles their whole uh, life as a band up until when they started until now. And it's probably the best documentary about a band I've ever seen. Maybe the Foo Fighters uh, documentary called, I think, Back and Forth that came yeah. out last year is also very, very good. And Sound City, which came out this year that we've – Richard yes. and I have both recommended is also amazing. But I could, I could name a bunch of documentaries all day that I like. Uh, but this week I'm recommending Pearl Jam 20. Uh, you've seen it, Brian. Did you like it? I love Pearl Jam 20. It's it's one of the I I love documentaries but I don't rewatch them um very often. You know, I'll just I'll see it the one time. I actually bought it on Blu-ray cuz I just loved it so much. Wow. I've always been a big fan of 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 Pearl Jam to begin with, but um it's it, I totally agree with you, Ken. It's one of the best music documentaries that I've ever seen. Yeah, it really does a good job of telling the story of the band but also giving you an inside look at their actual music. I mean, I hate yeah. documentaries about bands that don't ever talk about them recording yeah. the albums or like what the story behind the songs and stuff. I mean, yeah. It's a perfect blend of like live performance and all that stuff. Totally. Um, totally. Kit, have you ever seen, have you ever seen them live? No, but they're coming to Dallas in, uh, I know this fall. So I'm going, I'm so stoked about that. I went and saw Vetter, uh, last year when he was doing the, his, uh, his yeah, I was going to do that. I was going to do that, but I was like, I, I, I need to wait and see Pearl Jam. See, I ended up, go, I, that's what I thought. I, I ended up buying tickets because I looked and, and realized Pearl Jam hasn't been in Dallas. It had been over 10 years. And so I was like, I don't know when it's ever going to happen. So I'm just going to go see Vetter. And seriously, dude, it's the best concert I've ever been to. He played, I bet you he played 50 or 55 songs. I mean, yeah. he just, he sat up there for maybe three or three and a half hours and just played. And it was, it was so cool. It was, it's easily the best concert I've ever been to. Besides yeah. LMFAO, obviously. I mean, well, who can beat that? Exactly. Shot, shot, shot. Shot, shot, shot. <laughs> right. um, Pearl Jam is really a band that um, their music has evolved, I mean, so well with totally. with I mean, how, what rock music has done in the past 25 years or 20 years. Um, so it's a really, really great look at how their music has evolved and why they're yeah. still relevant, I think. Yeah. Um, and they are still relevant. I mean, they're great. But if you if you don't like Pearl Jam... Watch Pearl Jam 20, and you will like Pearl Jam. Yeah, so. seriously. Give it a shot, for yeah, sure. Give it Love. a shot. Yeah, great great recommend there. Thank yeah. you, sir. Uh, Brian Gill, let me ask you this. 
Yes. Where can I find more of your work online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 or you can find me on my website uh, with some movie-related shenanigans and life stuff as well at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Richard, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barton or at richardbarton.com. You can find the show on the internet at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all of our past episodes on there. Find all of our weekly recommends on there. And uh, get in touch with us as well. All our email addresses and uh, Twitter handles and all that good stuff are on madaboutmoviespodcast.com. So do that. Tell a friend. Go to iTunes. Leave a review. If you leave a review that we like, we will read it on the show and give you a shout-out and uh, maybe give you a Twitter follow as well. So do that. Um, Brian will. Brian will give you a Twitter follow. I will. That's his deal. That's right. Um, Anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? No, man. Go see Pacific Rim and tell a friend about our show. We demand this of you. Yeah, do that. See Pacific Rim again if you've already seen it. And listen to the podcast again. And you'll get a whole new perspective on life, which is what we offer on this podcast. Exactly. Um, (laughs) On that note, until next time, we will see you at Pacific Rim. Goodbye. Leah. Oh my God. Oh. Shut it down. Let's go. Home. So, she said, Have I got a little story for you? What you thought was your daddy was nothing but a wow. You were such a cute.